prefixes, data, and you. That's what we're talking about this week on Sounds Profitable with me, Brian Barletta. This episode of Sounds Profitable is brought to you by Podsites, podcast attribution. Go to podsites.com for more information. I know that you're listening to Sounds Profitable because podcast ad tech is important to you, but it's important to me that you are kept up to date on the latest news from the entire podcast industry. To help with that, here's what happened last week, no matter when you're listening, from James Cridlin at Pod News. I wrote an article all about podcast prefix analytics and their value. It's in the description for you to check out. But I never really got into who it was for and how useful this data can be for Johnny Podcaster. So I spoke to Caro Choklassian of Chartable to get into the nitty gritty of how these analytics are not just for the big podcasters, but for anyone with a desire to learn and take the lead. Thank you so much for the opportunity um, to yeah. chat with you about this. Thank you so much for the invite. Congratulations on all your success. It's amazing to see what you've done in such a little time. And, Thanks, man. And I can't wait to see uh, what happens uh, in the coming yeah. months with you. Oh, that means a lot. I know the context of this is kind of like an extension of that article you wrote about analytic prefixes. The article does a really good job of explaining what it is, right? And you know, I think I've explained it more times than uh, <laughs> <laughs> almost uh, the entire city of Pasadena's fingers and toes, right? So I think if you don't mind, just kind of reiterating that might kind of give yeah. a good picture. So right, the analytic prefix, the way I always explain it, it's a piece of code, goes on the RSS feed. Reason why that's important, RSS feed is distributed essentially everywhere, right? And more or less, this prefix is acting as a redirect. So what's happening is regardless of device or player, when a user clicks play or download, right, it's pinging that RSS. However, with that analytic prefix, it pings that prefix, that piece of code, and redirects download information somewhere. In my case, Chartable, right? But still passes yeah. through the request, so the end user receives the MP3 flawlessly, right? The key things to note, what is a download at the end of the day, right? So IP address, yeah. user agent. User agent means, you know, iOS 14, Apple Podcasts, iPhone, I don't know, 12. The main reason why I wanted to kind of hit on that definition is because, you know, we're touching on the key thing uh, there, which is it's uh, A, it's allowing us to see what's going on with regards to the download. And then B, of course, what, what makes up the download, the IP address, which is so important. And so companies like, uh, well, Chartable, right? What we've been doing is we've just been asking ourselves, well, what do we do with that? <laughs> you know, it, it's been really quirky seeing media slowly kind of focusing on the IP address more and more and more, yeah. uh, right? And so uh, essentially what we've done is, well, you know, what Chartable is, right? It's an analytics and attribution platform. The reason why the prefix is so important to us is, well, uh, it redirects the download information to Chartable, which allows us to, well, A, display the downloads and B, do some cool stuff with it. Of course, the attribution piece. The thing I'm most excited about that I've been super, super bullish about internally is our partnership with a company called LiveRamp. So Brian, I, I don't know if you want to kind of jump in and, and talk about LiveRamp and, and your previous experience or... Yeah. I want to peel things back for one second. We've actually, it's very cool. We actually had someone from LiveRamp on uh, previously and, and I love this stuff. I love the interconnected thing here. 
Chartable and Prefix partners have, have so much opportunity to be so many different things, but at its most basic, we need to think of it like Google Analytics, right? Like just because I host on Squarespace or Wix or whatever, and they offer their own analytics and they all adhere to a specific guideline doesn't mean there's not value in having a third party. That third party is valuable because some people want to look at it in a different way. Or it's also not always that easy for me to give you access to the thing that I own, my Squarespace, my Wix, or my podcast hosting platform, for you to log in and check it out. Even if it was attractive, there are dozens upon dozens of podcast hosting platforms so if I am a buyer, if I am someone looking to get data, if I represent a network, the idea of me having to log into 12 different platforms that if I could to pull reporting, or if I had them all send me their reporting individually, none of them are going to align. Nobody's ever agreed on the format, the columns, any of that. So the value here, the value of using a third party for analytics, like Google analytics, like chartable in this situation for podcasting is that it, it aggregates it in one place, it makes it easier to control, and it's close enough. The big thing I wanna emphasize is IP address, user agent, and the episode is not an exact science. We've agreed that this is what we got. We built a lot of business around it. The IAB has built a certification and a very healthy business around well, it. Certainly. And, <laughs> yeah, right? And the big thing to keep in mind is that like, while it's not perfect, we're all agreeing on a central thing. And while we're agreeing on that central thing, we're close enough in single digit percentage that there is immense value in focusing on that. And so with a tool like Chartable that you can put on as you know Joe Podcaster all the way up to Joe Rogan, you can check this stuff out. You can monitor this information uh, the same way throughout your entire career, right? And you, you have ownership of it and you can share it very easily. And that's very attractive. Mm -hmm. The things that I like about Chartable and these other companies in the space is that they don't just stop there. Now, really cool here, and I want to give you guys a lot of credit for it. Uh, privacy is a massive thing in this space Bingo. right mm -hmm. now. And Chartable, as well as Megaphone, as well as a handful of others, have gotten their teeth kicked in about <laughs> privacy and ended up on block lists. And because we advocate so heavily that podcast listeners are some of the highest users of ad blockers and they're sophisticated listeners, that gets attention. Chartable split their domains between pure analytics and pure attribution. So that's very, very cool. So that the publishers that just want analytics, like Google Analytics, which doesn't necessarily connect into the rest of the platforms, can separate that out from the ad buying and attribution side of it that is beneficial. That's a really cool and powerful thing to say. And the fact that you guys responded so quickly and made that change shows that you understand all the types of audience that you're working with. And I truly love that because podcasting is about giving the advertisers and the people fueling this space what they want, but not threatening the audience. We as an industry give more to the listeners than any other industry, even when we have advocates out there claiming <laughs> that things aren't great. They're not great, but they're way worse everywhere else. I don't know. This might not be the best way to put it, but like ad tech is getting better. We are ahead of the curve. Some of it is because we've chosen to like you guys splitting it out and other parts of it are because we didn't have a choice. We don't get the data. Yeah. And thank you so much for all the nice things uh, you said. Within that. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you know, the concept of privacy and security is pretty much number one for us. I, I don't know if you saw, we got the SOC 2 certification, which... <laughs> yeah. Can you explain SOC 2 a little bit? Because I don't, I think that like 
unless you are the person responsible for being part of that audit, yeah. you could care less. I mean, but, but it's super valuable. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to explain as much as I can to yeah. with the audience in mind. So, right, like Chartable is is a software company, right? At times, uh, we have to place a pixel or a piece of code on an advertiser's website, or just even taking a step back, we just have to interact with another business entity that also <laughs> works on the internet, right? And so, yeah. uh, first and foremost, they are extremely concerned about security, right? So more or less every single time we engage with a new um, client, right? They ask us to fill out these security forms and the security forms ask pretty basic questions. You know, where do you store the data, right? Is it in the US? Is it external? Who could have access to it? Do you have uh, internal protocols on uh, who could touch the data, right? What happens if there's a data leak? Has there ever been a data leak, right? So it's pretty tedious, right? And, and quite frankly, when kind of going through the business development process, oh boy, the, the uh, I call it legal purgatory. <laughs> You're just walking around yeah. forever in that. So what the SOC 2 certification is, is essentially we went to this auditing company, right? Uh, went through this grueling process of them essentially taking a look back into how we manage data, right? Like what are the protocols that we use at Chartable and are they aligned to a standard, right? And that's the key thing here, right? So the SOC 2 no uh, certification just essentially notes that Chartable or other companies, um, essentially they are following a very strict security protocol that we could all understand is kind of like the standard here, right? And if anything negative were to happen, we know exactly what they're going to do. So it's essentially just a handshake, right? A, an agreement that uh, if something bad were to happen or, you know, how we think about the data or just security in general, uh, there's just a basic understanding across the board of how we're going to react to it, right? What do we do? What are our protocols? So we received that certification and essentially during that purgatory status in the biz dev process, um, hopefully the certification just makes everything easy, right? It's, it's, a, it's a huge sign of trust. And it, it was quite painful <laughs> receiving it, right? Because yeah. you got to document no certification every, is oh, easy. My goodness. So you got, and it's the review and review. And, you yeah. know, um, we're very fortunate that the co-founders, Dave and Harish, I mean, they are security whizzes, right? Like they've since day one, that's been of, of a very high standard, even privacy, right? And sometimes to our detriment, right? Where we don't receive a contract because, you know, we dragged our feet or we weren't willing to, you know, take on certain liabilities because it just, it just wouldn't make sense. So, yeah, you know, taking it one step further and getting that certification, I think uh, was a really important item for us. And one step further to, to what you were previously noting, like, it's not just for the client, but it very much like that's the audience, right? Like whoever we do business with, but the everyday user that interacts with Chartable, right? Like they have to understand that you're safe, you're secure. Anything you do with yeah. us is up to like a very high industry standard, right? Yeah. So to your point, even, you know, uh, Joe in the garage down the street, to us, it's extremely important for Joe down the street to understand that their data and how they're interacting with our website, it doesn't place them in a vulnerable position at all, ever, as much as that's valid to, you know, Joe Rogan and Spotify, right? So um, for us, it was, it was huge to ensure that everyone across the board who interacts with us, and we have so many different parties interacting with with our site uh, understand that privacy is a huge thing right and security as well so we we've really um made that kind of like the key point for chartable yeah i like it at the simplest like you're saying it's instead of filling out that form you can just say we're SOC 2 compliant exactly and that helps a lot everybody you know i've been in ad tech 12 13 years at this point and it's what i like about podcasting is that because it doesn't conform to the simple ways of like oh use a 
double-click campaign manager tag from Google and you know how that works and you don't have to invest into it because someone certified it at your company a billion years ago right. and that's how it is, things can be a little bit more loose. You know, I, I think that there are some companies that play a little loose with it. I think yep. they regret it down the line when they have to maintain that or they can't do it anymore because they're yep. acquired or things change and that's really tough. So like good on you guys for standing your ground there. I think Thank lost you. business today you know, it, it's tough and it can affect a lot, uh, but it can always, it can always help down the line, especially when people struggle. <laughs> but I think the big thing here is that just like certifying with the IEB, which you guys are, and just yes. like with this suck too, like this doesn't mean that you guys agree that this is the best way possible, right? You might do things that are even more strict. You Correct. might do things that are even more innovative on top of that. But what you've said is there is a, a, a large enough body of people in advertising and data and security that have agreed that these protocols are now a bare minimum that make it that much easier to transact. We are mm -hmm. starting to see these companies, even in podcasting, have security leads, right? And, yep. and these are the things, especially with publicly traded companies that are absolutely required. Megaphone oh, had to become SOC 2 compliant when they were working with Spotify before the acquisition. Right. And I think ESPN required that and Spotify required that. It's very important stuff. So yep. in a world where I am out here screaming, don't give anybody your data unless you sign paperwork, what SOC right. 2 says is here is the bare minimum you can expect from them yep. so that you don't have to know from partner to partner to partner. And here's yep. a bar to hold them to. And I, I really like that. I, even from an individual publisher, to a massive corporation. It's like when somebody sends you something about a password breach right now, right? <laughs> no, there's no, nobody has to conform to how that's handled. Everybody can handle it differently and it Absolutely. sucks. It does. Right? SOC 2 basically says like, here's all of the protocols for every single thing that could happen and how we would handle it. Right. Uh, and I like it. But yeah, thank you. I derailed us to get back to the beginning, but you were talking <laughs> a little bit about LiveRamp, which is cool. Right. So LiveRamp's data augment. And I think what's really neat and, and something I want to highlight for people is that there's a difference between the data source and the pipes. Yep. Nielsen is is both, right? Mm -hmm. Nielsen is a data source. They have their own data and their pipes, how they connect their own data to a platform. They also aggregate other people's data in there. Adobe is just a data source for most advertising partners. They do have some pipes, but very limited, and you get it some other ways. LiveRamp is purely pipes. And what's really cool about that is they have an infrastructure built on matching data between consenting partners. Now, we understand that the industry is rife with bad actors. Every industry is. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on here other than the fact that LiveRamp vets their partners on all sides to make sure that they have the consent required to do what they need to do. So that means that by working with LiveRamp and Chartable and LiveRamp working together, just like everybody else, there is a clear line between do you have the right to augment that or not? And then the data coming in that you augment it with, that data is only in that database if those terms are met. At the end of the day, lawyers can figure out what is and isn't right. We're not here to talk about that. We're here to say that businesses that are publicly traded and actively out there doing this stuff have agreed on bare minimum terms and provide some really cool features. And that live ramp relationship has allowed you guys to start with what, what's the data partner that you're starting with now? So for demographic data, Epsilon. Uh, Very so cool. Yeah, so Epsilon is a demographic data provider. The way I think about it is, um, you know, we always get asked the question like Nielsen and Epsilon are Experian, right? So, you know, this isn't survey-based demographic information. What Epsilon does is from 
credit checks to uh, reward card points, right? They're mapping all this data to essentially a household IP address. So there's really no survey involved, right? It's all based off that household IP. Yeah. So our relationship is, well, uh, they are a certified LiveRamp partner as well, right? And exactly yeah. what you said, as are we. And so what we're able to do, which is super neat, right? Is we're able to map the IP address, right? To a LiveRamp identifier. Right, and then Epsilon is able to map a, their household IP to a live ramp identifier. Right, essentially, we're just visualizing uh, the combination of both our databases. Right, so it's been awesome, especially for me who was at you know doing marketing for a publisher where I had to send out the quarterly survey. Right, make sure the shows are doing the yeah. call to action. Right. You know, in my head, this is no longer the case. And exactly what you were noting a little bit earlier, the beautiful thing is it's like, you know, it's a hundred dollars a month, <laughs> you know, for like to get a bare minimum. So it's like if you are curious, right? Certainly uh, I mean, I, I suppose in this case I'm on record, but you could sign up for a month and then cancel it if you want, right? Just to kind of <laughs> just to kind of see who exactly is listening demographic wise, right? And I think that's so incredibly powerful that, you know, anyone could kind of pick that up, right? And it's the same information that, you know, an iHeart or a Wondery, et cetera, would yeah. have access to, right? Two things there. So Chartable has a demographic feature, which is an add-on, because if you have the prefix pixel, yep, right, and you're tracking that, then they can layer additional data on here, right? I truly believe that it is in most publishers' best interest absolutely review the legal. And I think that if you ever have any questions about it, you're going to reach out to Chartable. Caro is probably going to be the person to respond back to you on it, <laughs> which is very cool. Dig through this stuff, ask questions, make sure that it fits your goal, but get that pixel on there because everything is additive. The longer they're able to track these things and monitor things, the more you can see historical growth and changes. One of Bingo. the cool things that they've offered and is a big thing that I'm going to be talking about in the future uh, in the newsletter and then going to have another episode about is I really think that we're, we're so caught up in this world of targeting an individual in real time. Yep. And what we miss is the fact that like, let's say best case scenario, 50% of all downloads, downloads happen in a household. Yep. That means that at best case, 50% of the total pool can be matched. It is not a hundred percent match from household to that. So let's say that 60% can be matched there. So now we're looking at I did bad math. Let's just call it 50 because I'm terrible at math. We're talking 25% <laughs> of your total pool is matched to serve a campaign against that IP in real time. However, if you look at the downloads consistently over a three-month period, 30, 60, 90-day period, and you can see all of the addressable households, all the demographic information on there, you can create a sales sheet. You can say your show indexes to this age range. You can say your show indexes to this education, to male versus female, to um, uh, all these cool things. And what I really think that is neat is that by picking LiveRamp, you've chosen to start with Epsilon. But somebody comes around and is just like, well, Epsilon's crap. Here's how I can prove it. Our data is 10 times better. You can switch it out overnight, which... I just wrote that article about like, don't build everything, right? Like you guys right. super could have been a device craft partner. You super could collect all this. But right. at the end of the day, like you have that flexibility to do that. And LiveRamp is motivated to add as many partners as possible to this that map. So by being connected to these pipes, you have the ability to replace and you have the ability to add to this feature constantly. And Kara said that the, uh, the price is $100 a month. I'm testing it out for a project right now. It's really neat. I think it's really cool. And what I like about the analytics side of this stuff is that it, again, it doesn't have to be for attribution. 
It doesn't have to be for like ad serving. It can simply be augmentation of who your audience is on an aggregate level, which allows you to print out that one sheet, make that for an email, a PowerPoint presentation, say, this is who my audience is. This is, yes, we fit all of the key demographics that say they, the person is ideal to buy a truck, you know, and that is way more powerful than only targeting the download requests for the households of people who do want to buy a truck based on the data match. I love how you keep touching on, uh, on you know, the, the sales sheet, right? Providing more information to the publisher to close the deal, right? And that was very much at the forefront when saying, you know what, we could, yes, we could easily give this to just our enterprise tier, right? But that's insane, right? Like yeah. everybody, everybody has a business here in this industry. And if they'd like to explore it, right, they could present a little bit more than just the 30-day count, right? It's like, hey, I know yep. this is exactly why you should buy our show, right? We do skew towards that audience that you're looking for, right? Or you could say, we don't skew towards that audience. However, it's a good idea if you did talk to them, right? So however you want to spend it, totally up yeah. to you. Nonetheless, you have that information to like make an argument, right? And I again, like my job prior to Wondery, I was at Oxford Road where I bought podcast ads for like Blue Apron and ZipRecruiter. And that was in 2014. And like to think that, uh, I know, I know, I know. And to think, you know, back then there was no such thing as IABV2, right? There's none of that. So yeah. to think that a media buyer today could just go to any publisher that they find on the Apple podcast charts that might or might not fit uh, their target and literally ask them, you know, what, who is listening, right? What's the demographic uh, profile behind your listenership? and it be valid is just mind blowing to me, you know, it's like, my yeah. goodness. That research information is so valuable, not even for ads, but for content. If I know the demographic makeup of my audience, like I can make decisions about what content to add on there. And the biggest thing that I really want to emphasize to people is that like, absolutely, there are super amazing, really good solutions out there to just give the keys to fill ads into your platform and they'll be successful. Right. right. It might not be the $50 CPMs that you dream of. It might sure. not be the hundred percent fill rate, but that's, that's what it is. The further you get away from being hands-on with it, the less you control, the more pieces of the pie you give up and the more it has to be homogenized. But if you have that info, if you know exactly how all of this works, right? I think you can tell a story because your podcast is a story. Sounds profitable might be an interview show where I talk about expanding on the article. But what I'm trying to do is tell you, the listener, the story of how you can be an expert in this, how that like I'm a college dropout who bumbled his way through this. I've caused more damage than I've earned in my career financially. <laughs> and you just, you learn these things and you grow. And, and that's the story I want to tell you. you. This is accessible to you. You can learn from this. You can grow from it at any stage in your career from CEO to entry level, and you can apply it. So if I look at that demographic data, whether it's for improving my podcast or selling ads, I'm selling, I'm pushing, I'm promoting, I'm encouraging people to interact with it and having more data to tell my story, to back it up or to make me rethink my story. That's critical. And I think that it's a blended approach. The pixel-based solution is not the only solution. Mm -hmm. I think surveys are really valuable too, but I'll tell you, it's very easy, like Kara said, to put that pixel live and six months into the project, be like, cool, hundred bucks. Awesome. Got the sales sheet. I'll be back next quarter. You know, tons of value keeping it live. But like, even if you just try that, 
What does it change in how you perceive your show and how you perceive who you're talking to, how you represent your show to the people you're talking to? I love how you keep touching on you know the story. And one thing we always talk about internally, super cheesy, and I think it's it's Bob Pittman who said it, right? The, uh, the, the magic behind your numbers, right? So it's like the story behind your numbers. And for such a long time, the space, all we really had were numbers and you know not great ones at that, right? Yeah. Now we're entering into the space where companies like us, right? we're able to provide you that much more. The retention metrics we just like launched, right? Like you could actually see, right? And understand who sticks around for how long, right? Over how many episodes, right? And it's like that in itself is like, okay, cool. You know, we know this particular episode drove this many new devices or new downloads, right? And this particular topic actually kind of had them stick around for much longer than this other topic, right? And so to be able to craft that story, right? really in in our minds, right, it's going to push your content even further, right? And even kind of from obviously the monetization point of view, right, kind of telling the advertiser who exactly is listening, surely we hope, right, would get you additional dollars. And on the counter of that, you know, one beautiful example I keep thinking about um, as as you were talking is uh, we work with a local public radio station, right? And they had this huge drive to create a series that touches and speaks to the Hispanic Latino community, right? And they really didn't know if it was working or not, right? And then, you know, once we kind of showed them, you know, the data behind it, it matched exactly what they thought, right? So it's like they had a suspicion, right, as they were making the content, but they had no hard data that they were actually talking to that audience. And the demographic data that we were providing them told them exactly what, you know, they thought was happening. But now they have that, right? So now they're printing the thing out, right? And then going to everybody and saying, see, look, this is exactly what we need to do. What's happening as well? They're going to the content team and saying, hey, great job, right? Keep doing what you're doing because clearly you're, you're hitting you know, the audience we need you to hit. So I think, again, providing that story behind the numbers, right, is, is really something we always think about here at Chartable. And I think, you know, it's so quirky, this dumb little piece of code on the RSS feed, right? Like who would have thunk it, right? But we're really trying to see where we go. And I think partnerships with like LiveRamp and Epsilon and the fact that exactly what you said, we could switch it in a moment's notice or add more to it, right? And that's exactly yeah. where we're at. So we're very much in this data collection phase with like all our publisher partners of like, what exactly do you want to see, right? Because we have the ability to just like plug it in, right? Yeah. It's one thing to visualize it. That's going to be like, oh my goodness, that's a headache in itself. But just getting that initial data, right? And kind of like exporting it and presenting it to our partners to see what makes sense has been has been really cool to see. The annoying thing there, I must admit, is everybody wants everything and no one could tell you the exact specific thing that they want. So it's been interesting trying to like find through lines in the stories that people are trying to tell us. <laughs> yeah, that's the hard part. I think data can tell any story you want. Sure. I've watched smart people use data to talk to themselves out of that campaign success and <laughs> right. into the next one. And, and I don't think that's a bad thing because sure. I think that if you're just like, hey, here's what we learned and here's why we need to do it again. Right. Right. Here's uh, that content fell flat, but right. here's what we can glean from where we should improve on it, not throw it away. Right. Yep. There's so many different ways to spin it. And this is this is kind of where I want to leave things off for everybody here. Your hosting provider gets all the same data. And I think that there are so many solutions out there that do so many different things. But to me, a prefix partner or someone that's receiving your data through like a data dump, like what Triton does, prefix partners and these data partners focusing on the download data specifically are people that you want to spend time with and learn from. They're people that you want to consume their content from 
And they're people that you want to sign up for their free product, knowing that you can always upgrade to them because no hosting provider can dedicate the same amount of time to dig through IP address, user agent, and episode in the combination and way that Prefix partners like Chartable can. And the reason for that is because they have so many other things on their plate and it's hard to divide attention, even when you're a massive company. So if you want to learn more about analytics, work with an analytics company. Do not try and get everything from one source. Acknowledge that there are differences between them. Try and just spend time digging into it and pick which one speaks to you, whether it's through the customer service, which Caro is honestly industry known for, <laughs> for their amazing marketing write-up materials, which I think that you know, you have to read what these people point out and present their story from the data that they're getting from all of you guys is important. Do you want to be associated with them? And then you have to figure out if you can actually tell the story with it. And sometimes the answer is you can't right now, but keep collecting it, keep getting it, keep looking at it and keep improving. Because to me, that's the biggest thing, because you might be starting a new podcast today. You might be NPR doing it for forever. There's always more you can learn. And there's always more you can think about. And the people that are going to help you get there are the ones laser focused on doing more with less, which is Prefix Partners. Nailed it. <laughs> it was so great having you on here. I'm, I'm really excited. I'm truly bummed that I'm not going to be a podcast movement with you. The fun of perfectly lining up, having kid two uh, right before it and kid one's and congratulations. birthday. Congratulations. No right worries on, uh, at all. Congratulations on that. But I'm very excited uh, to interact with you more on this stuff. And you and Chartable, please keep putting out such amazing content and being open to talk to, to people of all levels. Of course. Thank you so much uh, for the opportunity. Thank you to everyone who's uh, dealing with my monotone voice or has dealt with it for the last 30 something minutes. So, you know, appreciate your platform and looking forward to uh, hopefully getting on this platform a little bit more. So uh, thank you so much for all the support and thank you everyone out there for listening. Thanks, man. And stick around for some special bonus content at the end of the episode. I've teamed up with Evoterra to give you a minute-long strategic thought that is guaranteed to shift your perspective on the present and future of podcasting as we all work to make podcasting better. Thanks to Cairo for coming on to discuss my article, Podcast Prefix Analytics Explained. If you liked what you heard and want to connect, you can find me, Brian Barletta, on LinkedIn, way less formally on Twitter as Hi5RPG. And of course, you can email me at brian at soundsprofitable.com, spelled either way. The most important part about Sounds Profitable is providing you with more resources and making sure that I can answer your questions. So check out the link to Yappa in the episode description and leave me a message. And with your permission, I'll answer it live on the show. The Sounds Profitable podcast and all the cool ad tech bells and whistles you've experienced were thanks to our host and sponsor, Wooshka. Everything you've heard since the conversation ended was uniquely created to target you using their dynamic ad insertion features. If any of the callouts were wrong, let us know. The Sounds Profitable podcast would not be possible without the help and support of Evo Terra, James Cridlin, and Ian Powell. Thank you all for your help and support.